Today's conversation will be on the power of talk when it comes to business discussion and family conversations. We'll be speaking with Shauna Hamilton, Executive Director and Senior Strategist of the West Division for UBS's Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team. We speak with her to gain her insight into how she works with families to help them foster good communication between family members. This conversation today is a follow-up to a recent CIO publication, Talk, Plan, Do, a guide to business succession and exit. Matthew Carter, a CIO strategist and one of my co-authors, joins me today. In the report, we aim to help business owners and entrepreneurs decide which paths of succession or exit best suit their business, family, and goals. And it explores potential questions to maximize business value and minimize stakeholder tension. Okay, so before we get started today, Shauna, I think it would be really helpful if you could provide our listeners just with a brief description of your role and how you've been working with advisors, clients, and families when it comes to succession planning. Great. So my name is Shauna Hamilton, and I'm a senior strategist with the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team. I'm based in San Francisco and work with financial advisors and their clients across the West Coast. The primary uh, part of my day is helping advisors and clients foster communication on wealth and engage in purposeful philanthropy with their families. The mission of our group is to serve as a thought partner to exceptional families by understanding that family needs extend beyond the purely financial, so we take a strategic and sustainable approach to managing wealth for continuity. What that means in practical terms is our team works with UBS financial advisors and their clients to clarify and articulate shared values and goals, to bridge the gap between generations, to perpetuate family legacy, and to develop a well-thought-out plan to support family goals and philanthropic aspirations. Thank you. That's, of course, very helpful. So I guess a lot of what you do is really focused on, like you said, fostering conversations about wealth. Could you kind of start this with talking about maybe why it's important to talk? What's Maybe what's the cost of not communicating when it comes to, to planning, whether it's business planning or planning the the wealth transfers that happen in a family? Sure. Sure. You know, the reality is we we cannot afford the cost of not communicating. And partially this is based in in data and research. So when you dig into a recent study uh, conducted with 3,000 families over 25 years, you find a similar pattern in the research. With almost every family, the first generation earns the wealth, the second generation will enjoy the wealth, and the third generation the wealth until there's there's little to nothing left. So much so that 90% of inherited family wealth is gone by by the third generation. 90%. That's significant, right? So if we know these generational trends hold, how do we prevent that wealth dispersion? And how do we keep families connected and vibrant in all of the ways of of operating as a family? And so it, it you know it really comes down to the topic of today. It's family communication. Again, research guides us. It shows that 90%, 97% of estate transition failures were due to a few things. It's trust and communication breakdowns. It's inadequately prepared heirs. It's failure to establish a family mission, which that last one was surprising and a little unusual to me. You don't often hear about family mission statements if you're not working in this space. And really only 3% of wealth transition failures are credited to to poor legal and tax or investment advice. 
And so all of this is, is to say that establishing a routine uh, of a regular, well-planned family meetings is a way for a family to, uh, to not only discuss wealth transitions, but of course business transitions, right? And we typically recommend having a family meeting, you know, at least once a year, uh, bringing in a neutral third party facilitator that could be myself or someone on our team or another trusted advisor within the family. And all of this is, is in service to ensuring that healthy, productive communication is happening on a continuous basis. Thank you. So you touched on business transitions, and that's, of course, a lot. That's been the focus of a lot of uh, Matthew's work recently is focusing on your your business succession and exit planning. So could you maybe touch on some of the conversations that you're helping with families the most when it comes to business succession and exit planning? Maybe what are some of the most challenging conversations that that you see having what are the most challenging conversations that you see when it comes to planning for that exit? Sure. Well, there, there's many. I, you know, one of the primary conversations, you know, I'll give my top three, if you will, when it comes to kind of promoting good communication within those business succession exits. And, you know, uh, you know, before kind of giving the, the top three, it's important to, to remember that, especially in the context of business succession planning, it's important first to talk about the business of being a family before talking about the family business. So from all of our conversations around preparing for business succession, you know, there, there's a few kind of tips and tricks that we use to guide those conversations. And, and the first step for that solid communication is to give c- good consideration as to who should be involved in those conversations around succession, right? And this is where a family meeting can be instrumental. It's, it's making a list of the key stakeholders. It's including family and any relevant business partners and advisors. It's important to think about children or spouses, if they should be in conversations around the business succession, if you should include a third-party facilitator. You know, another another kind of tip or trick or win that we see in preparing for business succession is planning for these conversations as early as possible. Easier said than done, right? So some families are starting about having conversations of business succession, you know, years or even decades beforehand. And starting these conversations early really can help uh, raise up issues, raise up reservations. Uh, you know, communication in, in any family, is particularly around business, should be continuous, both both as the business of being a family and the separate entity, the business, right? Uh, lastly, you know, this, this idea of, of a family mission statement is uh, something we promote. Um, it's incredibly profound in connecting families to their values, their guiding principles, which then helps seed conversations around business succession. Uh, you know, oftentimes a family mission statement might be similar to a family business mission statement. They don't always overlap, but, but sometimes they do. Uh, but the, the purpose of a family mission statement is to the, the point I made at the top, that it should be distinctive to that family's values and what that family legacy should persist beyond the business. And all of this is as a signal to future generations of how, we're to, how to steward wealth 
both for the family wealth and the family business. And we, you know, we encourage families to use shared values and a family mission statement, not only for business succession, but for philanthropy. So if wealth has been generated from, from the business, um, that philanthropy can be an incredible way to connect families um, and decide together, communicate, learn from each other, and so on. So I think one of the the three points that you had mentioned that stuck out to me the most planning early, you know, when Matthew and I have been speaking a lot with a lot of our advisors leading up to publishing some of these reports, you know, as we're doing research, speaking to the field, that was a, certainly a very common thing that advisors kept bringing up. You know, it's really helpful if you can plan early. It's really helpful if you can have those conversations early. And one of the reasons why that was why that was so helpful because I think there can be a lot of hesitation when passing on the when passing on the business from one family non, from one generation to the next. There's a lot of hesitation about what it is that they're going to do once they pass over the baton, if you will. Right. So, Matthew, I don't know. I think it would be helpful if Shauna could provide us maybe with some advice on how maybe a business owner can shift the conversation style if they're moving from being that business owner to more of a wealth manager and a mentor for the next generation. But Matthew, I just wanted to uh, touch on you for a little bit. Is there anything that you think would be helpful to uh, to provide context to this conversation when it comes to, is there anything that you want to share, I guess, regarding the research that we had done leading up to this report about some of the conversations that we had with advisors? Sure. Thanks. Thanks to you both. I mean, I think the first thing that sort of strikes me from when we've talked to to clients and advisors around the world, really, is that it, it's helpful to remember that, that no one family is is the same, and no one family business or business within a family is going to be the same. So I think that often. Often when we speak to to business owners, they are looking for some form of how-to guide, a checklist, a template of how to do this. And our sense is that when you're talking to families, there's so much specific to do with the family circumstances and the business. But what we try to do in our in our research and the, the talk plan do paper that we recently published on, on succession, so we want to try and give sort of general frameworks, but frameworks that have got that flex so that it can meet your own business and your own family circumstances. But that also, as, as Sean has said, I think this is a really critical point. I think that the whole point of sort of business and family succession with these three phases of talking about it, having your plan with trusted advisors, and then executing. I think one of the things that came out of our discussions is that this is not a photograph, it's a movie. And I think what, we're, what we found when we were talking to, to advisors and to business owners, like many of you listening, is that it makes sense for this process to be open, and to be dynamic because the business will evolve. So one needs to be nimble when it comes to the business, but also families are increasingly international. There may be changes in family dynamics, new members coming on board, members leaving. 
So these plans and these discussions, they need to be a movie with different scenes that moves alongside your businesses and your family's journey rather than being seen as the static event that you, you had 10 years ago and you've written it all down and you're done. Um, that's, that's not necessarily going to be the type of, of approach that really sort of leads to longer-term success. And... Shauna, it'd be great to get your thoughts on this later because another big thing that came up when we were speaking to, to our advisors, whether they're operators of the business, whether they're owners of the business, whether they are responsible for, for philanthropy, knowing those roles and figuring out where different objectives might come into play is critical. But also a big point that came up as well is how do you figure out for your family and for your business what is right when it comes to equality, versus fairness. What looks equal today may not look equal in one, two, five, ten years' time. We know that the rates of return and the, the impact that you might be able to generate, for example, um, on different types of assets could look vastly different um, several years down the track. And, and having that dynamic process is also, I think, from speaking to many of our, of our advisors and, and to clients around the world, Having that, that dynamic process that's prepared to change and adapt is, is going to be crucial potentially to, to longer-term success to make sure that some of these challenges between, say, equality and fairness can be worked out in a way that suits your business, your broader holistic wealth, but most importantly of all, your family. I really appreciated so many points you made, Matthew, especially the comment about a, a movie versus a photograph. And that's absolutely mirrored in the conversations that we're having is that this process of continuous dialogue in an intentional way can be transformative to the inevitable conflicts that arise, right? Conflict intention is inevitable, and so how do we hedge for that? How do we get into a tone and a rhythm of communication for that? And part of that, our family meeting. You know, another point that you named that we're also in conversation with regularly is around uh, this tension between uh, equity and equality or um, equality and fairness, as, as you named. And there's real-life consequences that affect family businesses and then how we might work with those families. There's a case uh, that, I, that I can share where a dad left um, the business to one of his two sons and the family foundation to the other son. And there wasn't conversation uh, prior to the transition. And now there's such tension between the two brothers, partly because they really have different expectations. And one example of how our team worked with the sons was to help the family prepare for future, gen gener uh, future generations and conversations, right? So to point earlier about the dynamism of life, right? And in particular, should the next generation work for any of the family business? And should each get equitable or, or equal distribution from the family business? Say, for example, if a family member chooses, uh, chooses a career path that doesn't generate significant wealth, should that member get an equitable distribution that fills that income gap or an equal distribution, the same as, as everyone else in the family? And, you know, it's not all answered yet, and, and so much of our work is not answering questions for families, it's helping them to answer these questions for themselves. They are the experts in their family dynamic and their family business. And the goal is always, you know, how do we engage in these conversations before conflict? 
And of course, you know, all the while setting a tone of, of open communication for all. And to your, your other point and question that's incredibly relevant um, and always a continuous conversation are roles. What is, what is my lane in the family? What is my lane in the business? And how do we manage that over time? And it often a dynamic we see is from the, the primary business owner, often, often uh, the patriarch, uh, has to move from a mindset of kind of team owner and operator to a place uh, of of a coaching mindset, if you will, team team coach, and you know the, the reason being that we've seen problems tend to arise when a family business enters a new phase, but the leadership and, and communication practice remains kind of stuck or static in an earlier phase. So uh, b- before you make the move from decision maker, business owner to mentor, it's important that you first make sure that, that you and your successor are, are very comfortable and ready to make that change, and this is where we come in to guide those, some of those conversations. And for business owners, it, you know, we've, we've seen it quite commonly. It can be difficult at first to take a first step into a mentorship capacity, but we've also seen tremendous opportunity that an openness to new perspectives from the rising generation can help inject new energy, it can inject new ideas and purposes into the family business, different strands of business, if you will. Uh, so in any kind of role transition, it's it's both sides being prepared to give up some of the old ways of thinking, uh, to know that this is a good thing and that a successor can bring fresh eyes and fresh new perspectives. Yeah, I think it's, you hit on a lot of really great points, especially the last about just kind of like changing your thinking. I see the transition out of being a business owner into the mentor kind of like going through, let's say, retirement. It's a major life transition where you, for years and decades, you've been doing this one role and it, it essentially defines who you are. And now all of a sudden you have to shift that gear. Not only do you have to focus on shifting that gear, but there are hundreds of other things that are going on in your, in that, throughout that transition that you need to be focused on, like the actual planning and executing. So I think it really just can be so helpful to have these conversations earlier because of the fact that it is such an emotional transition that you go through. So there's certainly a, a lot of, of really good points that you hit on here. Shauna, earlier you touched on how business owners have to change roles from the decision maker and leader to the mentor. And you mentioned that business owners who come into this transition with an openness to new ideas from the rising gen can really turn this transition into a tremendous opportunity to inject new ideas, energy, and purpose into the business. Now, this, of course, requires a willingness for open communication from both sides. What suggestions do you have for business owners to help make their conversations between the business owners and their successors a two-way street? Sometimes uh, when when dealing with complex scenarios, we can get stuck in the technical aspects. A business transition is, of course, a perfect example where the technical aspects absolutely matter. And so, too, do the relational aspects. And part of the answer to your question, uh, Ainsley, is in taking the pressure off. Having uh, a two-way street conversation starts with something pretty simple and elegant, in my estimation, and that's curiosity. 
It's when the business owner comes from a posture of curiosity, from a, a question conversation mindset versus a prescriptive mindset. And, and coming from that place completely changes the tone of reciprocal conversation. There, there's a pressure uh, as the business owner, the decision maker, uh, who's often the parent, right, to know the aspirations of our children, of their children, um, uh, of their successors, and a pressure for the successor to meet the goals of their parents. And so we encourage both sides as much as able to let go of that dynamic. And this is especially in the case of the business owner as they transition to mentor, meaning the business owner does not have to answer everything for their successor. It's it's more about inviting each other to share worldviews. In short, it's the business owner having the power to take the pressure off of having a solution at the outset, of slowing down, and of asking questions. And some of the uh, examples uh, a business owner might uh, of questions a business owner might ask their mentee that that I've seen or we've uh, encouraged. Uh, to ask their successor are, you know, what do you care about? Why is it important? How does, what's important factor into your whole life? Where, of course, do you see the business going? If you were running it, what would you be doing differently? Uh, what, why does the family business matter to us in the first place? And so it's, it's a dynamic where the business owner is checking in first on what matters to their family member. And then moving to the business conversation, it's it's listening earnestly. It's these fundamental relationship tools that we can lose sight of and the bustle around the business change. And it, it doesn't mean that there has to be agreement. The goal is is alignment on on what we agree, uh, what we disagree, and what needs work. Uh, well, you know, the, the caveat here or, or the elephant in the room here is, well, everything I'm sharing is well and, and hopeful and, and based in data and experience. The reality is not all communication goes smoothly. Conflict is inevitable, even when the intention is to be open. We have all, we have all been there. And so given conflict is always a part of being in relationship, then what can we do to hedge for uh, for that, to prepare for it? And in my experience, there's a better chance of having a two-way street conversation if we set norms for communication at the front of business succession discovery, meaning as a family first. So convening as a family to have gatherings where you quite methodically discuss at the first meeting, how do we want to relate to each other in this new space? You know, there, there are common tools of uh, a facilitation, of course, of putting phones away, uh, when someone says something unclear or worse, flagging it to deal with it at the end of the meeting, knowing that the, there will be a moment to close the space, if you will, at the end of the meeting, it's not interrupting. There there are many studied ways that have been used in boardrooms uh, to, to movements around conflict prevention and resolution process. If you're at an impasse, you bring in a, a third party to help facilitate to help neutralize the room of emotion and and refocus on the core issues the goal is is not to avoid conflict uh, conflict will avoidance will inevitably cause more harm eventually so it, it's important to have a process in place for conflict management ideally before disputes escalate and and talk hits a, a brick wall 
And this is where family meetings uh, before succession planning begin are 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 so helpful, and these families are, are so ahead. They've had a chance to practice constructive debate, uh, to hear each other's perspectives where all family members are speaking up and speaking up early. And one final thought, whenever we can encourage developing the muscles of compromise and starting that learning as, as young as possible with our children, to know uh, that this is an inevitability of life, that can be transformative both for the parent, the business owner, the successor, the family, and, and future generations. Because if we know that there's a cycle of, of conflict and then compromise and still we persist, then we have a chance. We have a chance to be better communicators and be more fulfilled in our family and, and business relationships. Thank you, Matthew and Shauna, for joining me today. Again, we've been joined by Shauna Hamilton, Executive Director and Senior Strategist covering the West Division for UBS's Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team, as well as Matthew Carter, Strategist in UBS's Chief Investment Office. If you're interested in reading the report we discussed in our conversation today, please reach out to your UBS advisor. Timeframes may vary. Strategies are subject to individual client goals, objectives, and suitability. This approach is not a promise or guarantee that wealth or any financial results can or will be achieved. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.